This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. So glad you're here today. We have a theme going the last few episodes about how various experiences really culminate into ultimately finding more of your meaning and purpose over time. And today's guest, Jill Lehman, is a perfect example of that. She has spent nearly 30 years in corporate America doing amazing work uh, in human resources, has held titles, vice president, chief people officer. She's worked for large organizations, many well-known organizations. And she now is launching a whole new world, which is how to better use art in the workplace. And the name of her business is High Frequency Arts. And we're going to have a rich discussion about the way that art, both visual as well as music, tactical, anything that uses your brain in an artistic way is not only great for your mental health, it's great for your engagement. It's great for your ability to solve problems. It is just good for you. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Jill and I. Here we go. Hey, Jill, how's it going? It's going great today. Good. I'm glad to have you here. I'm excited to be here. In the podcast closet. We are in the podcast closet. This is how I build trust and relationship with people quickly. I invite them to my house, even though we've only known each other one other time. And within an hour, you're in my closet. I can honestly say this is the quickest I've ever been in anyone else's closet, but I am loving checking out all the shoes that are staring in front of me because girlfriend, I can feel your shoes and you have a great collection. Thank you. Shoes are the only thing I like to shop for, which is why I have people like Nikki Bush in my life because she can take care of clothes because I only love shoes. So here we are in my closet. Here we are in the closet. And you know, we have... not known each other, but realize now that our lives have been crossing all kinds of ways over the past probably 30 years that you were in um, corporate America. I've been in corporate America in HR kind of roles, all kinds of weirdness. So I feel like we've really known each other longer than we really have. I know just spending the hour that we have reminiscing about things, it's hard to believe that we've not truly met before today. Which is a great way to connect to what we're all about here at the Badass Women's Council, which is reflection and connection. And I have learned not just from the experience over the years, but especially in doing this podcast, that we're all far more alike than we are different. And when we can come together about um, some of the topics that we talked about today, you're like, oh, yay, you're my people. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So one of the things we're going to talk about today, the main thing that we're going to talk about today is a new adventure that you're embarking on, which isn't really all that new because it's been a part of your life. I like to call it the breadcrumb trail. There's been pieces of this woven throughout your entire life, but you are on a new adventure around how to bring art into work summarized in a very brief way. Is that a fair way to summarize it all the way down to the basics? All the way down to the basics it is. It's just about getting people more exposed to art and how we can value it in our homes and our workplaces. And 
this is as we've had a chance to talk here for before we logged on the air. It's really interesting how you have had art in some form or fashion as a part of your life since way back, like going back to high school, right? Mm -hmm. I have. And it's interesting when I think about it and reflect back on it. Like anyone else, I think I I loved art classes when I was younger and in school and loved being around art teachers and, and creatives. And then somewhere along the way, you know, all the conversations that happen with you as you think about your career was um, business, business is where you're going to go and, and headed down that traditional route. I think like so many others do, but art has always been a, a love and a passion of mine. When I would go on the school tours with my kids at the beginning of the year, I would literally go into the art room and just stand there and just smell. Like, I love the smell of the art room. And my kids would be like, Oh mom, let's go. But those, those were some of my best memories i i can totally smell the art room now that we're talking about it it's true you know it's just a a place where it's like all anxiety and fear goes away and all inner creative and imagination come to to life i I love it Mm, i can't wait to have this i have chills thinking about this conversation because we're both so passionate about it but let's talk about why we didn't maybe stay as connected to art as either one of us would have liked. Because at the, at the time we were growing up, there was a huge push to what I call, in air quotes, get a real job, which there wasn't a lot of appreciation or understanding about how art could be a real job. Absolutely. And I think that's still uh, woven into components today. When you look at when we were in school, there were more art classes and and you could engage a little bit more with art. You get into a lot of traditional schools today or in schools where funding may not be available. Those are some of the first programs that are cut out of the educational structure and systems, especially in the K through 12, even though, you know, you can read all the studies today that show the value that art brings, you know, it's traditionally one of those, just like training in business, mm-hmm. you know, one of the first things that get cut when funding gets cut and you have to make your budgets. Right. Because we still treat business like a factory. We do. No matter what we're producing, if even if it's not widgets. And it's really important that we start to recognize not all of that is serving as well. So the so the industrial age was about how can we how can we measure and optimize, which was an important part of the evolution of work, but we've gotten stuck there for way too long. And a lot of the words that we use today are from the factory, right? Productivity means inputs and outputs, but it doesn't take into consideration the nuance of the human brain because we are not machines, right? And so this idea of art, which includes visual art, music, uh, sculpture, there's lots of different ways that you can do art, but our brains are wired for that kind of nuance, not the factory, not machines. Oh boy, I couldn't have said it any better. It really is, you know, when you look at our traditional workplaces, and I I grew up in everything from retail environments to medical device to um, manufacturing Mm. and technology. And, you know, the same theme rolls through every single organization, and that is the work is done through people. And we have, we have tried to get people down to processes and systems 
and taken out the human and human resources, I always say. But as the workplace evolves and work becomes more creative and we in business want our people to be more creative and and solve problems and innovate to to even stay successful, um, art has to become a, a component of what we do and what we value. Oh my gosh, yes. And I could go all kinds of crazy conversation about the implications of not leading that way and running work that way for a few decades is now why we have a huge uptick in mental health issues and stress and anxiety because our lives are asking us to be what we're not. And our brains are screaming at us saying, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and we can go as, as simple as to say, not living out your own unique gifts and talents, but all the way to making us feel like we should be robotic and machine-like and not taking into consideration the nuances of the human brain. We're suffering consequences for that today. Absolutely. When Again, when you look at... What has happened in our K through 12 education system? What has happened in our businesses? Again, when we take the art component out, we stop talking about creativity and we start, we, we focus on numbers mm-hmm. and we focus on, um, you know, how do we get someone to go from, you know, the educational system into the career system and, and begin to perform. And one of the key areas of performance is being able to really exercise both that left and right brain. And when we can capitalize on that in our workplace or even in our education, you know, that's when the real, you know, I'd say energy ignites (laughs) and where we become mindful and mindful beings and can do and produce our best work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have the privilege of raising artists. Both of my kids are likely, well, my son already is in uh, a, a job that is very art minded. And my daughter likely will be an interior design or video or, or something of that nature. And so I've been very intentional about parenting them for their artistic gifts. And I've had to stand tall in my own story for that decision because you take a little bit of a, a bit, little bit of flack for it in traditional um, in some traditional mindsets that what do you mean um, you know Cameron is Cameron's my son what do you mean Cameron is recording an EP and writing music shouldn't he be in college what, what's he doing for a job you know and, and the kid's been working and providing for himself since he was 16 but we're very much fanning the flame of his gifts and his talents and because of that, I feel like he's a, a very empathic, beautiful human because we're allowing him to be the way God wired him to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we've done a really good job with our kids who are pulling to things that are more traditional and more more accepted, which are, for an example, sports. If your child is interested in sports or have a a interest in any type of sports or that physical ability, we really try to hone those mm-hmm. in and we see all the value that a sports can bring into some to our youth and even to us as an adult. We do so much less of that 
when we have people who are on the creative spectrum and then we wonder why they're not, why aren't they interested in athletics? Why aren't they interested in these common things that, that maybe, you know, other kids want to do and be on the basketball team or on the track team? Why do they want to sit and create comics and um, paint and draw and do all of these things that are so generally um, less accepted mm-hmm. in society to really help them flourish in. We'll spend all day um, in many aspects of our life helping people become better volleyball players or better basketball players and hope they get those scholarships yep. um, to the school and university of their choice. Uh, be- but on the artistic side, you know, as parents, I even had to get myself having very artistic um, children as well that will go to art school and hopefully have a thriving career in what she chooses to do there and probably in the animation arena. Oh, but to letting them really be themselves and really um, help them develop those skills. And the best, I think, is when you balance the two, you know, and maybe I have a little bit more of that in my second, a little bit more balance with both of those. But in, in the whole reality of things, I think the most well-rounded is when we are a balanced individual mm-hmm. um, and we have diverse experiences, and then we hone it down into where are our passions and what are our two strengths. Mm, beautifully said. It, it agreed. I can remember times when when Cameron was growing up that he really was interested in video game creation. And at the time, people would almost kind of laugh at that. And now it is a booming industry, right? And they would look at me like, well, is he's going to have to get serious. Like he's going to have to get a real job. And if you would sit down and engage in any conversation with him at eight, nine, 10 years old, he would tell you, he actually wrote, freehand wrote a book about this that said, um, the reason that kids play video games is because they get connected into the story. And different than watching a movie where you're participating in someone else's story, when you're playing a video game, you are a character in that story. So it's not about the killing. It's not about the violence that adults have wanted to play it up to be. It's that I want to be a part of the story, which now you and I can tie to a lot of the work being done with people like Simon Sinek, who's talking about the why and the story, Donald Miller story brand, the why and the story taps into the part of our brain that makes decisions and drives emotions, but we don't always have language for it. But what Karen, Karen, Cameron inherently knew was that it was tapping into this, this why purpose calling that he had. That's beautiful right and and now looking back on it how early how young he was when he started having these conversations i knew it was this different kind of conversation than i had anticipated having as a parent i thought we'd just show up for basketball practice like everybody else but that's not the kid i had and he has taught me a lot about what it means to really live and own your story No, kids are a beautiful piece like that. You know, you see in your children things that I think sometimes that we forget to see in ourselves and what potentially possibilities and, and again, that that imagination is. Because as we go through our adult lives, you know, the, the studies show that, 
you know, the, we engage less and less with who we are authentically are, and we become these these people that we are prescribed to be. And we see that very early on. You know, we're taught to be very regimented in our school and in our processes to work towards certain aspects and, and grades, or to mm -hmm. to think and be in a certain way. And if you are different and outside of that, these are typically the kids that are bullied and end up with depressions and anxieties and all those things because we're trying to put them into to the box that they aren't built to be in. And some of us go more easily in the box. Mm -hmm. And then we wake up, or we hopefully wake up one day and we scream to get out of it. <laughs> but we have to start, uh, stop. I should say not start, but we should stop trying to put everybody in one box and realizing that the best society are when the boxes are all lined up uh, and diverse, um, but working together. And that's where I, you know, I really, really hope that I can at least be a voice and an advocate for people who are artistic and creative and the value associated with that and, and that it's really missing component for many of us in our workplaces and in our homes today. Amen. Amen. I just want to stand up and slow clap, but it's probably not a good thing to do on the podcast. That is the epitome of what I care about for for my purpose in my future is how can I help people understand their unique gifts and talents, your uniqueness, not how can I be like everyone else, but how can I take how I'm unique and, and know the value and the relevance of that. Because I like to look at it as a puzzle. So if you dumped out a puzzle box and you saw all the pieces, they're all different. They're all different. But when you turn them over and see how beautiful they are on that side and you see how they fit together, when you get a puzzle put together, not only is it more beautiful, it's stronger. But it's stronger because of those differences, not because we've all tried to fit into somebody else's expectations of what we should be. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully put. And when you think about it in our workplaces, when the puzzle is messy, it's harder. And I try to sit back and I think, you know, how has our workplace evolved to where we have standardized everything. It's just easier, right? It's easier when everyone's under one playbook. It's easier when everyone looks, feels, thinks the same. This is that's how we're wired from a manufacturing standpoint. Yeah, industrial age is alive and well. <laughs> what, what you what you just mentioned, but you know, there there as we move away from that to more you know, mindful work, more creative work in what we do every day versus on the manufacturing floors or following the regimen of a process, we have to have people who can think with both left and right brain capability. And we are have to get comfortable with that too in our workplaces because it requires us to look at work differently because who doesn't want to be there truly when they have some time sitting in a closet <laughs> um, thinking about, you know, what motivates them and what gets them up, be their authentic self mm -hmm. and be able to be creative, even sometimes when we don't even realize that those are some of the motivators behind how we feel and, and maybe some of the anxiety or depressions that we're going through. It, it really is. The implications are 
bigger than we know. And I think we're just on the cutting edge of understanding that work is driving this. It was an unintentional consequence. Nobody woke up and said, oh, let's maliciously go after this thing and and, and make everybody miserable. But the awareness that's coming today is exciting to me that we're, you know, people like you are able to now work with businesses to say, look, art is a part of the engagement strategy. It's not just a, a decorating afterthought. That's exciting to me. On my most cynical days, and and if you follow me on any kind of social media, you know I'm not afraid of a good rant once in a while. Um, on my most cynical days, I scream out things like, is your engagement strategy really for your people or is it trying to make your job as a leader easier? Do you really want people to engage or you just want them to do what you're telling them to do? Like I, I've been a leader. I've I've ran large scale projects and, and I've ran things with lots of people. And there are those days as a leader, I get it. You're like, I just want everybody to do what the plan says. Like, I don't care about your uniqueness. Like, there are days I get that, but we can't have that be the norm because that's when we get to this place where people are being seen as the roles that they play, not the human being that they are. When I hear leaders say things like, well, the sales rep or the the sales reps or the CSRs or the accountants, and they talk about people as the roles that they play instead of naming them by name, that triggers me now. I'm like, do you really know who they are? Because not all CSRs, customer service reps, are the same. They're different, unique individual people. One of the aha moments for me is, you know, fortunate to be in field HR operations in different environments, whether it was in manufacturing settings or in commercial sales service centers or even um, multiple corporate offices. And the aha moment for me came when I'm traveling to these different locations and everyone may work for the same company, but each culture and environment was different. And I, I couldn't um, really put my finger on it early on, but I would think same company, same resources, same, you know, structure, Mm -hmm. same, opportunities and disadvantages, let's say. And why did some places thrive and the others struggle? Mm -hmm. And this is where I really then started to be more mindful about what was really happening. And it became very intriguing work for me Mm -hmm. to and to say, how how can this location who has and sometimes literally across the, you know, the city, not even across the country, but across the city, have all of the same aspects and be so different. And and what I realized it was all about how leadership interacted and worked with the people and got to understand and know the people and value them as individuals and create something where work was meaningful. And so a big 
Patrick Lencioni mm-hmm. um, fan too. And the one of the most input backs, books for me back in the day was Three Signs of a Miserable Job, right? Mm-hmm. right? And all of those things, you know, started to weigh in about how we let people um, do their work and think about their work and get engaged in the conversation and do things the way that may be different than the way we wanted to do it, but it got the same result and many times better. Mm -hmm. And how much more pride they took in their workspace and how much more pride they took in their, their, you know, company and even their, their appearance when they were out working with, you know, clients in the field. And, you know, I would get down to to going out and looking in, you know, the trucks in the in the distribution centers. And, you know, when you got someone who when you were out there talking to them about the trucks and the trucks were clean and they were very prideful and, the, you know, this was their vehicle and this is what they do, you know, versus when you went to the other location and they were like had safety issues and the trucks were were filthy. Well, you'd also go in and the bathrooms were filthy mm-hmm. and the break rooms were filthy. Right. It's. It's all about, um, you know, realizing that process may be important and you never want to violate things like safety and ethics and, and, and values and all those good things. But it's really about how we, we hone and we connect with people and what makes people tick and motivate them towards success. Because that what you're what you're articulating there is pride of ownership. They had ownership of of the job and the and the job they had for the company, which comes from the part of our brain that is about why and purpose, not what and how. So if you went in and worked with those people, because we did similar work, um, each of us in corporate America, if, if, if I would go in and talk to people about um, metrics and dashboards, I did a lot of work with, the, with a, a process called the Four Disciplines of Execution. It was about executing on goals, right? And the teams that were getting phenomenal results on the scoreboards knew why. They knew why the project was important to the client, to them, to the community to the industry they had a much more emotional attachment than just the what and the how the teams that were complying to this is what we do and this is how it moves the needle on the scoreboard would get mediocre results the ones that knew why that was different that's when you untapped that creativity and the innovation to get better results because they knew why absolutely and the why ties in, you know, uh, I'll go first full circle into art. Art ties into our why, right? Mm-hmm, and helps us when thing, other um, reminders or um, tools may be absent, art can always pull us back to that creative innovation mindset or, or to remind us to think more creative or think like an artist. Um, so that's where then you start to think about how does this come full circle and art came into play for me it was taking it to the next level as i continued to evolve and work with um, people in technology and in the scientific fields Mm -hmm. and this area of um, became very interesting for me because in the area of a software developer or 
a scientist, you know, we would label them as the creatives in the creative class and we would give them a little bit more leniency in how they worked and, and you know, a lot of software is moving towards the agile mm -hmm. or and a lot of open sourcing, which allows you to be more creative, allows you, you know, in science experiment more and you can set up your labs the way you want to and that's your kind of space. But then the rest of us were put in these little boxes and said, here's your tools, here's, you know, what this looks like and go do your work and then we would wonder why we have some people labeled creative and others that weren't mm -hmm. and so again we were we were only we had gotten better as I think society and moving in the workplace to recognizing there are these creatives and they need this work what we have failed to do in most of our businesses is realize that everyone at some level is creative it is, but how it has manifested itself in the experiences and what we have allowed either ourselves as individuals or, or the, you know, nature nurture kind yeah. of argument right. comes into play that's been exposed to us. And when I started thinking about art differently, because it was such a motivator for me, and when I needed to, to get creative and innovative and problem solve or even calm down from that stressful day of anxiety, I would always go to my home office. Well, um, and why was that my comfort spot? It wasn't because there was a big comfy chair there and my, you know, my fuzzy blanket that I could wrap in, although those are those are nice yes. to have around me. It was the art. The art was a, a place that put me in a space where even I, an economics major, business school dropout, you know, corporate executive, um, could be creative and reminded me uh, of creativity. And that's when it hit me in the workplace of art is why, why does my office at work not look like my office at home and if i could bring that experience to others we've done all the other office remodeling and reconstructuring mm -hmm. and you know let's create collaborative spaces and let's go from white walls to gray walls or from brown <laughs> walls to white walls um we've done all those things and we still weren't getting what we needed it's only until i started to bring art in that the conversations changed so it was again like back in the day where i could see the different work environments and how people reacted with all of these same opportunities but the results were different because of the way the environment was created for them to be an individual. The next level with the creative class is really then taking it to where everyone is exposed to creativity and creativity is valued and it's it's visually valued, which makes it safe and okay. Mm. I love that. And, and to think that, like I said, we're on this cusp of changing the conversation in business today is exciting to me because I think of how many times I've been working with teams and, you know, someone will come up to me as you talk about art or creatives or the work that my son is doing or people just talk about creative endeavors and, and the people that would come up to me and say, you know, I used to draw or I used to do music or I used to. And you can see the longing in their eyes that they left behind a part of them 
in order to do the job they're in now. And I was always the first one to say, go back and buy a set of drums this weekend or, you know, paint something this weekend. Even if it's not your quote unquote job, it's a part of who you are. You can't leave that behind. It, it's so true. And, and it's interesting that you say that because that's one of the things when I started to bring art into the workplace and it wasn't just art that matched the couch like the interior designer wanted or it wasn't the most expensive mm-hmm. art that was out there. It was art that um, uh, that I wanted to tie into our strategy, our business strategy, our people strategy, our, you know, the, the, the quote word engagement strategy yeah. now that created conversation, right? Created that mental agility and, and exercising those muscles mm-hmm. that that's not always the most comfortable stuff that matches the couch or, and it's certainly not the stuff that looks like every other space in every other office. Because, you know, when I was talking with my Um, interior designer and had some really great conversations about laying out furniture in the office spaces. But then when I would talk about, you know, I want to bring in incorporate art in, you know, I would get these catalogs in front of me that said, you know, here, tell me, I think this goes and this would look good and this would match all these things. Or, and I'd say, well, what about an artist? And I get one or two names of, um, here's an artist that we work with. And I was like, well, that doesn't really match our strategy or what we're trying to accomplish. Or I would go out into the workplace and say, hey, who do you know is an artist? And then it's like, oh, my brother's an artist, my this. And it became one, very complex to, to navigate through all of this, but then to really find art and artists that fit what we were trying to accomplish and then bring it in the conversations. It was so, you know, I can still go back to the first piece of art that we hung. And when we had people and our workforce is like everyone else, you know, we've got, you know, 30 year tenure and two years tenure, and we've got everything from 69 year olds to, you know, 22 year olds running around the the office. Um, No matter who it was, no matter what demographic they fit, they could have the conversation on art. And it was either I love it. And I would stand and, and talk to them as we were bringing it in and, and ask the questions, you know, what do you see as they were staring at it? And they could articulate either why they liked it or why they were unsure about it and, and what they were experiencing or why they just didn't like it at all. But it created a conversation. It created light and energy in otherwise, you know, gray walls and white wall spaces that I, uh, what I call empty wall syndromes, or our spaces that now look like every other space, which is that, you know, farm industrial feel. And, but you go from one brew pub to another brew pub to the next brew pub to this office and that office, and they're all starting to look the, the same. same. Yeah. And so, We've elevated our game in our workplaces, but we've not differentiated it Mm. to spark creativity. And that's what art does in that conversation. If you use it as a strategy and purpose in your business, and then the beauty of it all, if if none of that resonates to you at that standpoint of the ROI it can bring, what you do in the life and career for an artist, 
um, when we use real art in our workplaces. The, the value that brings to help them have a professional career and for us to really incubate arts in our community and in our society, we have to view art not just as a nonprofit public venue, but we have to view art as a strategic asset. And with that, we have to allow it to be at a level commercialized where there is value associated with it and careers can be made and artists can thrive as well as, you know, unlock more creativity in our cultures and our environments, <sighs> both home and in the workplace. Yes. So I could ramble on this topic all day in your closet. Oh, but. my gosh. Same. Absolutely the same. And, and I think about, you know, the times that my son has been asked to... Um, play somewhere for free of course often you know and it's not like he's got an uh, uh, an album that ages me an album out there or anything so you know he's gotten to play some some gigs that are good experience for him but what it takes to get the equipment haul it there purchase the equipment all of the hours and time and effort if you haven't experienced someone that's living their art you don't know the amount of time money and effort that goes into what you get to enjoy. And I think about art in terms of uh, visual art and, and, and music. Music is every single place you go in your life. It's in the grocery store. It's in the mall. You turn on the radio in your car. Music has just is it's everywhere. And I love elevating the conversation as you are with art in the workplace of the recognition of who brought that into our world? What did it take to get there? And recognizing it as a skill and a talent and a gift as much as the accountant or the architect or the doctor or the lawyer. That's that's where I think we both want to go. Uh, absolutely. It's, it, you know, for me, when we are able to pair art and artist into a project and then we get to call that artist and say, um, they've decided to go with your work if you could see what that does for the life of that emerging artist or a more established artist to one, be recognized mm -hmm. for their work and valued for their work where they're actually gonna get a paycheck and it's not just asked to be hung free in the space for exposure. Um, the what what we do and then that keeps them doing their art otherwise artists right that those artists become accountants those mm -hmm. artists become you know um software developers they become all these things which isn't necessarily a bad thing in fact those are the ones I'd hire all day long right. are the people who, you know, have their art and can do these other things because, you know, they're the, they're very creative in what they do. So if they can be creative and manifested in this product or service, and they can be yeah. creative to manifest in this other way to help us in our business solve problems. So that is, I think, one of the other really cool aspects that art brings and the skills that we want um, in our workplaces. Mm -hmm. So agreed. Well, again, we could talk about this for days and I think we should continue talking about this uh, at, at another time for today. How can people get in touch with you? So let's say that they are now saying here, listening to this podcast and they're thinking, you know, 
art could bring more conversations. It could unify people. It could create community, which is engagement. If they're getting excited about art in their workplace right now, how can they get a hold of you? What, what, how could you help them? Oh, okay. So the best way to get a hold of me is you can go to our website. It's highfrequencyarts.com. And you can take a look at what we do. You know, we are really about, you know, if you break it down to what we are, we are a connector and broker to, to get you um, connected to different artists um, and have artists connect with you. But it all really starts with our strategy and our services. So, and that goes from kind of soup to nuts. So I start with you as a consultant wearing my HR hat first to talk about what's your strategy with your business? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you doing currently to support culture and engagement? And if you're trying to to be more creative, um, what are those things? And then how can art be of value. So we get down to those tactics and nuts and bolts before we talk about art. And then um, I take the time to go out and discover for you then artists and art that pair to that strategy. So I take the stress and the hassle or you only know three names and one is a cousin and one is just the artist that maybe has a studio near your house. I'm going to open you up and expose you to art that is um, really unique for you and your business and and hopefully discover for you artists you didn't know exist because they are in their day lives accountants and nurses and software developers that are doing these things in the side in their homes and they are absolutely stunning and they're beautiful and they come at all price points and all levels and I'm going to take the time to find those for you in the process all the way from start to installation and, and hanging them on the walls. Mm, I love that. That's how you find us high frequency arts. And um, it all starts with just a conversation. It, it's, it's really purpose for us. It's not about, you know, we, you know, we we aren't doing this because we just want to have a business and, and we're an art consultant in a traditional means. We're doing this because it's it's a mission and it's a passion to to make this happen and, and to expose more people to art. I'm so glad that we could be a small part of it here today on the Badass Women's Council and get the story out there. I'm excited to spend the, the hour in the closet with you talking about it. So I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll make sure you come back. Thanks, I, Jill. I'd love it. Thank you. And I'm not coming down. Fascinating. This is a topic that I could sit and talk about all day long. I hope you will go to High Frequency Arts and learn a little bit more about the work that Jill is doing and take a look around your workspace, whether it's your home office or whether you are in a corporate office or even a a cube. It doesn't matter where you work, but look around and see if there's something that inspires you in the space. And if not, go get you some. As Jill said, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to have an entire corporate movement. You can just surround yourself with a few pieces of art that inspire you and get your brain firing on some different cylinders. It's good for you. So that's the reflection question for today. Look around. Is there anything that inspires you? 
If not, please take action and change it. Thanks so much for being here today. And if you would go to badasswomenscouncil.com, you can take our quiz to see how badass you really are. And it'll give you some recommendations on some things to kick up your badassery and some various episodes that point to some specific things that might be helpful for you. And then also on the page, you'll find a opportunity to connect into our online community that is powered by the Mighty Networks. I hope to see you there. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.